Hi, I'm Elizabeth Williams, and this is my fantasy funeral. Imagine you are dead, but you get to design your own funeral. What songs will be played? Who will deliver your eulogy? And where will your remains rest forevermore? This is the scenario presented to my guest today. I'm Ryan Briegel, and you're listening to my fantasy funeral. My guest today is a graphic designer who has begun covering the walls of Nashville's homes and businesses in an exciting new way. She is one half of New Hat, an art and design studio that she founded in 2016 with her friend and business partner, Kelly Deal. New Hat offers custom interior installation of all kinds, but they are best known for bringing back an interior decorating tradition that many thought was long lost, wallpaper. Their work is specific for the space, usually screen-printed or hand-painted, and always visually remarkable. Many have marveled at their designs, which are featured in a number of Nashville establishments, including the Wedgwood Houston Bakery, Dozen, the Germantown restaurant, Henrietta Red, and a stunning folded paper installation hanging above the bar at Nashville's new Japanese restaurant, Green Pheasant. When asked about what she wants people to gain from gazing upon the art on the walls she designs, my guest has said, I always hope that our work adds beauty to the world and that people will feel that or notice it in whatever way they need to. She is Elizabeth Williams. Elizabeth, welcome to my fantasy funeral. Thanks, Ryan. What a sweet and well-researched, as many others have been, introduction. We'll see how my research goes if I get everything right. You I, let me I'll know. let you know. I'll fact check your ass. Very good. I wanted to begin by asking your thoughts on the decor of funeral homes. <laughs> they aren't all exactly right? the same, but most people probably couldn't tell the difference between the inside of one and another. Yeah. Do you think they have an appropriate look for their purpose, or is it time that funeral homes had an image overhaul? Yes, to the last question. Well, okay, I'll base that on my experience, my limited experience with funeral homes, which has been in my small town in Johnson City, Tennessee, where I'm from, where there were two funeral homes, and they both definitely had this very stuffy like overly religious um just wood paneling everywhere sort of dark and sad vibe but I'm very curious to know if this revolution has already happened because I feel like that would just make so much sense for the way the world works now that there would be like designer funeral homes but that would be fabulous um, yeah, I think that it actually does play into an idea that I'm kind of interested in generally of biophilic design, which is basically bringing sort of nature and the outside inside in ways that whether that's through materials or through motifs that are sort of mimicking nature or whatever. But um, that is actually happening a lot more in um, a lot of institutions like this is kind of dark, but whatever. This is my fantasy funeral. Like uh, rape crisis centers where they go and do rape kits. Like there's one in, in Nashville called the Sexual Assault Center. And we got to visit it because um, we did some work for them. And they made sure to have the exam room feel 
like there was something on the ceiling that you could look at that was sort of calming and natural mm. while you were getting examined. And I think a lot of doctor's offices in the past and places like funeral homes haven't had that. And so there is sort of a, a sea change, I think, with, with that sort of design. And, um, you know, certainly funeral homes could use that because most people now like to call it a celebration of life, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> and uh, I think that that should be reflected in the, the you know, the room that you have it in. So, yes, is my answer. Wholehearted yes. Let's redesign the funeral industry. Done. Elizabeth, today we are going to kill you off Yay. and take a look at the funeral that you would plan for yourself. One thing you have noted is that this is your vision for your funeral at this time in your life, right now, and you are allowed to alter these choices as time goes on. Yes. As you get older. Yes. You might not feel this way. This is thirty-three-year-old me, but I guess that's the thing; it can change from week to week. This Absolutely. is this week's funeral playlist. Yes. <laughs> you have a particular cozy setting in mind. Yeah. Where would you like your funeral to take place? Well, I am interested in it being in some sort of cabin in the woods or some sort of place that has a large room in the woods with a centralized fireplace. That's important to me. I really like gatherings by the fire. I feel like it's a weird centering space where people get in this meditative mode and you're sort of looking at the fire, but you're not too distracted by it and you start thinking about your life and just everything about the world other people in a beautiful way and like some of my best times have been just hanging around a fire reading or being with people that I love so that's I would I would like to curate that aspect of it <laughs> if possible and I think you wanted to make sure everyone was enjoying um perhaps um mushrooms right I, I see my funeral as a, more of a mood in a way, it's not about like my life is over at this point, but everyone else's life is going to go on. And so in those moments, I think we should be inspired or, or energized in some way by whatever that person did or whatever message they want to leave behind. Um, so I think everyone taking mind expanding psychedelic mushrooms could also be a fun experiment <laughs> even my parents who I would wish to do that I'm like do that do that one thing for me dad they would have to follow follow your instructions <laughs> dad can do it because they would would they just feel guilty forever I think so yeah okay today you get to choose the five songs that will be played during your funeral what is the first song you've chosen it's by the Ethiopiques but the specific artist featured is Mulatu Astatki. I'm a good sorry. <laughs> yeah. And what are the Ethiopiques exactly? They are a African Ethiopian jazz band that has different artists sort of as the center point. Uh, it's a, it's a group, and so they have different artists at the center point of each song. And their music is just like a giant blanket of comfort for me, in, in every way, it's it's not like sad, and it's not happy it's just this sort of like amazing feeling um when i hear it so i would like to set the mood with that tune
Tazetta, performed by Mulatu Astaki. Perfect for when the psychedelics start kicking in, mm. I would say. That's Elizabeth, right. <laughs> you grew up in Johnson City in mm. East Tennessee. What were you like as a child? Was art something you were interested in when you were young? I think design was always there, actually, more okay. than art. Um, I liked problem solving. My grandmother was retired and my best friend and we hung out all the time and she worked at this place called Asbury Center which is a nursing home and her and a bunch of old ladies had this amazing like magical basement zone where they just made crafts all day Mm. and they would have a yearly bazaar and so I would go there with her and like do basket weaving and see her her friend like paint porcelain plates and she would do flower arrangements and it was just this very amazing experience that I I didn't obviously know at the time but like looking back on it I I think that sort of set me off on this path of I love to make things and I love to put things together and I I know when something looks right I just have that weird thing in me Mm -hmm. and and, you know maybe it looks right to me I'll say that caveat but um Um, but I was also in a couple of creative things. When in, in elementary and middle school, there's this thing called Odyssey of the Mind. And it was a group of children that was like extracurricular, like, you know, some weirdo theater people and like other creative art people who got together and there was a competition. And you there was a theme that was sent out to kids in all of the public schools. And you would put together like a five minute play and it was based on the theme and then you would have to make all the props, you'd have to write it, you'd have to direct it. And we made it to state one time, which was really cool. Very good. Yeah, yeah. You left East Tennessee and went to college first in Atlanta, Mm -hmm. um, but you may have become, almost became an English major, correct? Yeah, I I think I I thought that 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 was my path. I, I thought I would want to be a professor or something like that and I liked the idea of teaching um but that the college in Atlanta was not right for yeah pursuing more yeah so it's it's the age-old tale of the daughter who comes home to her parents and says I want to do art and you don't get me (laughs) they were like uh we get you fine and you're doing graphic design if you want us to continue to help you pay for your college I was like deal so I had met a boy and uh we fell in love and I ended up moving to Nashville the college I was going to Agnes Scott wonderful school was a small all-women's college and they didn't have a graphic design program so I was I was gonna go to SCAD in Atlanta then you know, fell in love, and then I and found the, the myself boy in Nashville. Lived in Nashville. The boy lived so in Nashville, so I followed him here, and I, I I went to Belmont. And how was Belmont? Was that a valuable experience? Belmont was weird, straight up. At that time, they hadn't left the Baptist, or they had just left the Baptist convention, I think. And for example, like the figure drawing class at Belmont, the models have to wear underwear. They you can't show your freaking genitals. Um, the in my photo class and you're in the art department you're thinking like this is going to be wonderful and everybody is like open and cool but we're developing photos in the dark room and this girl starts talking about how horrible like broke back mountain had just come out and she's like ugh so horrible like i can't believe that's a movie i was like what is this place this is a bad decision 
but I'm, I'm not like super jazzed about my education. I think Belmont has improved greatly since I went. So I, I did actually got to go back and do a master class there last year with Kelly. And that was really fun, actually. And the art department has changed a lot for the okay. better. And there are some really amazing professors there that are my friends. And um, so I'm I'm proud to be an alumna at this point. Elizabeth, what is the second song you've chosen for your fantasy funeral? Oh, man. Okay. In my actual fantasy, Gillian Welch just plays every song she's ever written at my funeral. Um, I chose, it was so hard to choose, but I just chose Everything is Free. I feel like it sort of represents this, this mindset of what it takes to make things as your life's work and you you're just you're gonna do it anyway even if it doesn't pay and you're gonna just be it just I remember first hearing it and being blown away by the lyrics and the the depth of feeling that it made me access and this humble way of communicating that's also really deep and and dark often and I really connect with that with her music and this song is a perfect song and so why not have it at my funeral everything is free now that's what they say everything I ever done gonna give it away someone hit the big score they figured Gillian Welch and Everything is Free from her album Time, The Revelator. Elizabeth, as the story goes, you met your new hat other half, Mm -hmm. Kelly Deal, at a Christmas party. What was it about her at that party that initially attracted you and made you think maybe we could work together? Yes. At the party, she was this person that I had heard about through my other best friend, Mary Claire Zebert. And they grew up together. They live on the same street, and they've been best friends their whole lives. And so she was this person I had always heard about who was an artist. And Mary Claire could not wait to set us up in a way. And so she she had come home for Christmas, and she was living in St. Louis at the time, and so she was supposed to go back. And so I just thought, wow, she's really elegant and cool and different, and I want to I want to know about that. And so then she ended up moving back to Nashville and um, we just started hanging out. Like, I think we just admired each other and it was one of those easy, fast friendships where we would, you know, go have a glass of wine and talk for forever um, about feelings and about, you know, our direction in life and what we actually want and what you know, what do I, I remember asking her one night, I was, we were like walking into my apartment. I was like, Kelly, what is, what is art to you? <laughs> she had a really like beautiful and profound answer. Like she often does. She, she's just like a very profound person. Um, and her answer to that was like so different than whatever my fumbling answer would be. And I, I just like wanted 
you know how you are attracted to people who are different than you because sure. you just need that. And I've always been that way. And she and I were sort of on this similar trajectory. We were both sort of unhappy with our path, really, in life. And she hadn't been making art for a while. She was working at Dozen, actually. And she's a super talented baker and cook and all of that. But she wanted something different and we had done that dozen project together before new had even started. And so we worked together and we worked really well together. And then six months past that project, you know, I got some random email from someone who was like, that wallpaper is so cool. I just wanted you to know. And I was like, Oh, that's so sweet. And then I like texted Kelly. I was like, we should do another wallpaper project. And we got coffee and it ended up being, we're starting a business. (laughs) the end of that coffee but that's how we met yeah looking back at the dozen project do you remember how you felt when you completed that first thing together yeah yeah it was an amazing feeling actually I I felt after that one I was like I, I thought well we have we I didn't know how to do wallpaper at all and we just came up with this weird idea and we went for it and there, you know, I think most of my best things have come out of complete ignorance of how a process works or what it's supposed to be. And I think that's true about a lot of great art um, and great design. And and so, yeah, it was it was maybe more of a rare moment of, wow, holy shit, we can do this. You have chosen something beautiful and low key for your third song. Yeah. Tell me about this. Okay, well, this is a song aptly titled See You Soon um, by H. Hunt. <laughs> I I have been, I think Kelly, Kelly coined this, but I've been told that I love gloopy piano music, and it's true. There's something that, you know, gives me a, a shiver up my spine in the best way. I want everyone to just feel good and relaxed and happy about... Um, being in the room with all of these people together and in front of this fireplace and um, you know I think thinking about the big picture in those moments is so I think that's probably what it's all about in my opinion is is having those moments with people and you know the perfect party where it's like how did this happen you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to try to make the spontaneous perfect party happen where it just happens to be a little bit sad hopefully that I'm dead I mean I mean Probably, right? Is that implied that you were loved? (laughs) You can expect people to be sad. Yes. Yeah, but this, this song is just ridiculously beautiful to me and simple. H. Hunt and See You Soon from his album Playing Piano for Dad. Elizabeth, in so many of the commercial spaces which you've worked, the end result reflects something specific about that shop or that restaurant. Mm -hmm. At Dozen, for instance, there are images of hands, 
emphasizing the handmade desserts mm-hmm. that they sell um, at Dress Theory, which is a bridal boutique. Mm-hmm. There's a lace work pattern mm-hmm. suggesting a bridal gown. Mm-hmm. Was that something that was important to both of you from the beginning, matching the images to an idea suggested by what was surrounding you? Yeah, I think that's part of the challenge aspect of doing that in a not cheesy bad D way. (laughs) Bad D is what we say for bad design. Um, Yeah, I think that the idea is to make something, people are paying for a custom thing that speaks to what they do, but also we want it to be artful and not, you know, their logo tiled (laughs) in a, you know, stupid way on wallpaper. They can get that done at Kinko's. But I think the (laughs) the idea is to take concepts and, and, translate them into either familiar or unfamiliar patterns that become familiar because patterns are comforting because they are familiar and they have rhyme and reason. To me, it's almost like the images are perhaps like an inside joke or like a a clue that you might stumble upon if you see it so often. That's a good... I like that. I like that thought. It's... Yeah. It's. It doesn't hit you over the head. You're right. It's not please see the connection or yeah it's not like here's a pattern of wedding dresses take it and understand it immediately yeah it's sort of something that you could see as a secondary thing it's like a surprise Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. do you now is it hard to walk into a room for the first time whether it's at someone's house or a restaurant a random bathroom (laughs) and not start thinking about all the ways that the space could be elevated is that just a natural response for you after doing this for a little while? That's so funny. Um, for me, no. Kelly is the more of the interiors genius, like in that way. I have I have good spatial relations, um, but um, I don't walk into a room and think like, "Oh my God, the couch is absolutely misplaced, and that wall needs to be." purple for sure um I I think I kind of I'm more of of like how do we innovate the way that we do that purple or how do we try to think about it differently or how can what different material can we so that's where I'm coming from and and Kelly can see the things that need to change and like she can sort of put the room together um but yeah i i don't hire me to to do interior design for for sure Um, but yeah kelly like grew up being obsessed with you know saturday morning looking at world of interiors magazine and and el decor and all that stuff she was like a magazine hoe and i think that's so cool because i was so not i was you know i was just so different than that and that perspective has been so it just like helps legitimize what we do and our again like our marriage of minds is is what makes new hat do what it does it's we couldn't do it individually i don't think do you try out new ideas on the rooms in your own house we did we have actually we had a lot of crazy ideas in the beginning and because you get tired uh you don't get to do them as much as time goes on but Yes, experimenting in the beginning on our houses definitely has has happened for sure. <laughs> yeah. Your fourth song comes from your childhood, I believe. Oh, Tell yes. me about 
your love for this song. Okay, it's deep love. So, the movie American Tale. I had a very pure emotional response to this movie. To so it's it's Fivel who comes to America, the immigrant mouse, and he gets separated from his family. And they're in New York, and it's crazy, and he meets amazing people and scary people along the way, and it's a beautiful metaphor for what life is really like, and you're, like, on your own, truly. But you have these connections with your people and, you know, that feeling of separation and loss and all that stuff was, like, very real to me as a child, and I was a very homesick child. I hated camp. I don't know. I just hated camp. I would always come home. I would sometimes get homesick at sleepovers even though I loved them I just like I didn't like being separated from my people and death is the ultimate separation and it's a weird I I kind of thought it was a full circle song to you know me as a five-year-old crying to five like coming out of his little mouse hole like looking at the moon and singing you know, somewhere out, out there, if love can see us through, soon we'll be together somewhere out there, out where dreams come true. And even though I know how very far apart we are, it helps the thing we might be wishing on the same bright star. And when the night wind starts to sing a lonesome lullaby, it helps to think we're sleeping underneath the same big sky. Somewhere Out There, performed by Linda Ronstadt and James Ingram from the film An American Tale, one of Elizabeth Williams' very favorite films. Before we hear your final song choice, have you thought about who you would like to have speak at your fantasy funeral? Well, I've thought about it, and I don't really want to put any one person on the spot in that way. I'm much more interested in like the Quaker style of how they do big events like weddings and funerals where it's like a gathering of friends and there's time for silent reflection, which is when like when good song choices can come in. And then there's time for people to be moved to stand up and speak. But since it is my fantasy and I'm a little bit of a brat, third child, youngest, um, I would really just like it if, if everybody spoke. You know, speak when you want, or someone could, if they're musical, they want to sing a song, they could sing a song. If they want to read something, they could read something. If they want to tell a funny story, if they want to just say one sentence, whatever, I just want it to be this, like, participatory thing. So that's, that's my one caveat. And if someone were to read something, what are some examples of things you would love to hear there's uh, recently I just read this book called Braiding Sweetgrass, and uh, it's a it's a wonderful book. I think everybody should read it. But it's it's a series of stories and essays. And the first story is called Sky Woman Falling, and it's it's 
a different version of the origin story of the earth from, from Native American traditions. And it's it sort of blew my mind coming from a very focused on Christianity and conservatism background. I think being by fire and telling stories and then hearing stories and hearing this amazing origin story of the earth. I like when people read to me too. So if there were, you know, some of my favorite books, like if people would read passages from that, I think it would just be, it would just be a magical night of, of sharing all the best things that humans can create with music and art and, and literature. We've come to your fifth and final funeral song. What is it? It is called Seska's View by Roomful of Teeth. It's a little bit odd. There's a little yodel to it that I think also references my my Appalachian roots that I appreciate. And I like that the middle of the song gets into this sort of like uh, this more joyful cadence of a little bit of a bounciness. And I imagine that that's when my soul is evaporating into the ether or whatever or I'm kind of you know going into the ground and becoming one with everything and that's the transition part and then it goes back to the somber the somber yodel is what we'll call it um, but I, I love this song as a another it's a song without words it's not putting any meaning in anyone's mind for what it's supposed to be it's it's a feeling that is allowing you to go wherever you need to go and feel whatever you need to feel at this weird fire funeral. Roomful of Teeth and Seska's View, Elizabeth Williams' final fantasy song choice. Elizabeth, have you thought about what you would like to have happen to your body after you die? I have. I would like all of my organs that are viable to be donated to people that need them. And either, A, body donated to science, if there's any you know use for that. And if there's not then I would like to be buried in a mushroom suit to full circle mushroom. You know, it's not even known if it's like purely legal yet, but it's this suit that is laced with um, these mushroom spores and you basically get buried in it and you're, it is about decomposing your body more cleanly. And because of the mushrooms are the, you know, the earth's natural filter. And so your body decomposes and the mushrooms grow out of it and it's all anything that's toxic in your body from all this garbage that we're intaking is filtered through and you just naturally become one with the earth again and the cycle continues and I think that's a pretty magical way to go out and I want 
it to be useful. I want my body to be useful even in death. That does sound very beautiful. We will try and make that happen. Thanks. This has been really wonderful. Elizabeth Williams, thank you for taking us through your fantasy funeral. Thank you, Ryan. It's been a pleasure. My Fantasy Funeral is brought to you by We Own This Town. Full versions of the songs chosen today can be heard on our Spotify playlist. Find out more at myfantasyfuneral.show. I'm Ryan Briegel. Thank you for listening.